One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, my name is Elizabeth Oshaw. I spilled a lot of tea on Tea with Tay. It's the last episode of the season, so make sure to catch it. Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of Tea with Tay Pod. Actually, this is the last episode of Tea with Tay Pod for this season. Although I'm not excited, I'm excited because it's been a long season. I'm also happy to have my guest today. Remember, this podcast is proudly sponsored by my faves, Lipton. Today, my guest is someone who I regard as one of the most brilliant minds in PR and comms in Nigeria. Having worked with her for over a year, I can tell you that she gave me some of the necessary tools to be who I am today. And I'm more than happy to have her spill some tea about her journey on the couch. Please put your hands together for my guest, Elizabeth Oshaw of Somi Solutions. Hello, my madame. I, I thought you were going to not put my madame. Ah! I was going to tell you that until the end. I'm still going to be yeah, looking so for my, my madame. madame. Yeah, so. Oh my God, it's so good to have you it's on the couch. It's good to finally be on your couch, Tay. It's a full circle moment. It is. Look at that. I'm proud of you. Thank I'm you very, so very much. Proud Thank of you so I much. I do tell you. It means and a I know lot to know. me. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Welcome on, on the show. Um, I've been looking forward to this episode. In fact, I was supposed to have finished earlier. I said, you know what, I'm going to wait for Liz Osho so we can talk about what she's up to and the book and everything. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for waiting for me. I'm good. You know, obviously not in Lagos full-time anymore. Mm -hmm. So just having to do a lot of traveling. Yeah, I see that. But also the brand is moving and I can see that, you know, you not being in Lagos is intentional. Like you're spreading the the seeds and work is growing. growing. We're growing. The team is literally now in Abuja, Mm -hmm. um, also D.C., um, okay. Yeah, we have she's international American clients. And, yeah. You know, we're just trying to we're trying to do God's work. You know, mm. we're trying to tell people's stories. Um, and yeah, I'm intentional about that. You know, I'm so proud of you. Like as much as you're proud of me, I'm proud of you because I remember the that small cubicle in Idejo Street. <laughs> <laughs> and when Liz got that office, Liz was so proud of herself. I was. VI I locations. Was. I was. But look at you now. I'm Girl. so proud. Well done. Well done. Well done. So. You know the show, as as things they go, we must do background checks to get information about your life and, mm-hmm. and the things that inform the person that you are today. So let's get into it. Tell me about growing up and mm-hmm. things that informed the laser show that we have today. Yeah, so I was born in Lagos. I was mm-hmm. born in Surulere. Hey, Larry. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I moved to England when I was eight. 
right? right? Um, and I went to boarding school. And it was really interesting because, you know, you don't have a choice when you're eight. You just, it's what your parents do um, that you, you move with. But that, I would say, was one of the most crucial moments in my life. So my parents got divorced when I was really young. Mm. Um, probably before I was three, my parents were no longer together. But it didn't really impact me, you know? It was when I was eight, when I now had to be in a place where no one looked like me. I was the only black girl in the mm -hmm. school that they put me in. That was when I realized that, okay, I'm different. That was when, you know, maybe some of the trauma that I have <laughs> kind of started developing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I was in school for eight years in Dorset, in a, in a little town called Dorset in the southwest of England. And I went to the University of Birmingham where I studied classical civilization and literature. Mm -hmm. um, worked in recruitment for about seven, eight years. Then I moved to Nigeria mm. um, in 2012. And so, yeah, that's a little bit of my journey. Yeah. Um, so I'm also interested in, in, the, in the divorce that happened between your parents at three. And, you know, that can inform a child's life. It can make, it can make or break a child at that early age. What did it do to you? So, you know, because I was three, I didn't really, you know, understand. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. what it is. You know, maybe when you are, you're used to your parents being together until an age where you remember, you know, maybe then you would say that, okay, this informed me in that way. But I never knew my parents together. You know, all I knew was that I lived with mommy and I would go and visit daddy. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because my dad remarried um, and my stepmother's children, my half sister and half brother, they also did the same thing. Nobody lived with my, my dad. So they also lived somewhere else and we would all meet. I would literally on a Friday be picked up. I went to Lebanese community school mm -hmm. in Yaba. And oh, then they would go school. and, you know the school. Mm -hmm. And then they would go and pick up my sister and brother from their schools. They went to AIS. Mm -hmm. And then we would all go to daddy's house. Mm -hmm. We would all have our backpack for the weekend. Right. So I didn't, I, I just thought that's how people live. You know, especially when you live a sheltered life where I don't go and visit people. I don't spend the night at people's house. So this is my normality, you yeah. know. Um, however, there was something that was very different about my own upbringing, even with the fact that I thought this was normal. It was the fact that I had this stepmother who she seemed to really love me, Tunisa. And she, but what she seemed to want to do was separate me from my mom. So she wanted a situation where I choose. And it was very clear early on, you know. And I think that's where the trauma started. So mm -hmm. by as early as five, six, seven, I could tell that she was happiest with me when I seemed to belong to her. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, so it plays with a young child's mind because mm -hmm. you want favor. And I think even this people-pleasing from early. young, <laughs> Girl, from, four years, about it. from four years old, I've had to people-please yeah. because I had to please her. Mm -hmm. You know, so I will find myself telling her things like, I don't really want to go home. I want to go home mm -hmm. to my mom. But she was happy to hear that. You know, she'd be like, she see, she doesn't want to tell them again. Oh yeah, tell them. Tell them you don't want to go home now. <laughs> so I, I, would, I would lie, mm -hmm. you know. And so, because I, I was trying to please her. You mm -hmm. know, so those people-pleasing tendencies started from there. I, I, it was messy. I talk a lot about it in my book. Mm -hmm. um, but it's stuff that I've had to navigate and had to heal from. Do you remember the relationship that you had with your father? So my dad had some mental health issues. Um, I talk about that in the book as well. Oh so my God, this book, I, I can't wait to grab yeah, it. He had some mental health issues, which meant that I couldn't talk to him. <laughs> you know, um, it was... I, I wasn't sure which dad I was going to get from day to day, mm. you know. Um, it was quite, again, 
it's now that I know that that wasn't normal. <laughs> you know, that wasn't, I don't know if normal is the world. It was my reality. Yeah. But it's down that I, that I realized that that wasn't ideal. I think ideal is the, yes. is yes. the, is the better word. Yeah. Um, but my dad wasn't someone that you could reason with. So it wasn't a situation where I would say things to him. It just what it, it was what it was, mm -hmm. you know. Um, my dad was the only child of his parents. And so he had a really, really um, privileged upbringing. Right. And I think that's what even led to part of him being spoiled. He was extremely spoiled. Mm -hmm. And that meant that this guy got everything that he wanted. So my, you may, you may know, I've told Your you grandma. this, my grandma. No, say for the, for she the was the first that. female doctor in West Africa. Ooh. Yeah, Elizabeth Abimbola Awoli. She's from pedigree. <laughs> I am named after her. Um, so before she became Awoli and married her husband, she was from the famous Akerele family. Mm -hmm. Lagosians, they're quite yeah. well-known in the, in the Lagos circles. And my dad was her only surviving child. And so everything was willed to him. And so my father never worked for one day in his life. Like, never worked because he had all this money. And that money looked after him. He died at 70-something. And that money looked after us. What kind of money was there? It was long money. <laughs> it was long. That money long. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I talk about it in the book. I talk mm -hmm. about what that meant for him mm -hmm. and actually how it informs my parenting. Right. You know, because there's just some things that you just have to avoid as a parent and that is your child going spoiled. Do you right. understand? Because right. it really, right. really changes the trajectory of their life. Um, and even how they treat their kids. That's it. That's it. So, mm -hmm. a lot of that was, you know, I talk about generational curses in the book, you know, and we rebuke it, you know, and how um, a lot of the things that happened to my, 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 my grandmother is trying to play out with me mm. and what I'm doing to combat that. We're going to get into that, but let's talk about moving to London. So what, what informed the decision to move to London? Because you moved with your mom. So I moved with my dad and my mom. My mom was Were pregnant. they still together? They weren't together, but my mom moved and my dad moved too. Okay. So when he moved, he didn't move like to go and live there forever. But my mom lived, she still lives in England. She yeah. moved then and, you know, settled in England. I had a baby, um, my brother, mm -hmm. David. But my dad, you know, took us to school. So he had, I had two siblings younger than me mm -hmm. and so he took us to school we, you know we went for open days we chose our schools and we started schooling he had a house in Hampstead but they didn't live together so my parents didn't live together no my dad had his house in Hampstead you've been to England now yeah. you know where Hampstead is I don't know where it is <laughs> you know where me live I don't know where me live so my dad lived in Hampstead yeah. and my mom lived in East London. But they were co-parenting. They were co-parenting. So mm. I would spend half of the time with my dad, half the time with my mom. Mm. That's the holidays. But remember, I'm in boarding school. Right. So for three months, I'm in school. Unless it's like an exiat or a half term. Mm -hmm. But I'm in school. And then my actual holidays, which is three times a year, mm -hmm. Easter, summer, Christmas, right. I would half the time, split the time. With and them. that's what I'd always done, even in Nigeria. Mm. Even in Nigeria, my dad lived in Ikoyi. My mom lived in Ikeja. So everybody wonders why I'm so dynamic yeah it's because i've had in between both lives. yeah i've had both lives mm. i can blend in you know if we go rough i'm i go rough I'm i love that <laughs> if we need to eat caviar i'm down with that I as well darling yeah that's amazing <laughs> that balance is very important mm -hmm. for a child um i'm also curious about the relationship that you had with your other siblings you know because it's one thing to to not grow with your parents but it's also another thing to have siblings that you know you know they, they're your brothers, but 
some are, they're not really your brothers because you're more with your mom mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. you don't have to learn to love them as your siblings mm-hmm. was that an issue or you just it was into it it was it was and you know what i was trying to explain you know was that at four or five i was trying to get my stepmother to love me mm-hmm. but at the end of the day your mother will always be your mother True. You know? not all mothers are good mothers but i have a great mother mm. you know and as bad as it's bad, I could not deny her and I could not leave her, you know, and I wanted her and I needed her. And I think at some point it was something my stepmother couldn't deal with. Um, and I talk about it in the book and I don't want to give away too much, but there came a crucial time where she forced me to choose and I choose my mom, you know, um, and not even she forced me to choose. She kind of said I, I, I wasn't, I was no longer welcome here at some point. Yeah, really? She did. How did that make you feel? terrible and how that related to my my siblings was that she also was feeding them a lot of stuff yeah you know so from a young age our house in Hampstead the kitchen was not open if we woke up we would wait for her in case I put poison in the food oh yeah 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 um I talk a lot about this in the book <laughs> please give us we'll see really good, just give us some this is TV. Um, my siblings used to put a sign of cross um when, when you're around yeah, and before if they sat sat where I'd sat, they would put sign of cross. Oh, the witch. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like Cinderella, but seriously, it was a little bit. I mean, it wasn't with the show. I wasn't a slave. I wasn't cleaning. You know, but, you know, this but it, was, just it was registered. It was registered. Mm. My brother I was closest with. But hey, I will sit down and be playing PlayStation. We had PlayStation then, Nintendo 64. Mm. We would sit down and be playing this, and he would have to drop it if someone walks in because he couldn't be seen to be that close with me. But secretly, we were very close. But he can't have his mom seeing me close with this girl that we don't the know. Outcast. Do you understand? You know, so it was, it was, it was weird. The relationship was very weird. Um, it was very traumatic. Um, my sister, we fought a lot, physical fight, a lot of physical fights. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, um, it was, it wasn't great. <laughs> It wasn't great. You know, I'm, I'm, I, you know me, I'm an I, I want to dwell, but let's, let's, <laughs> let's move um, to your teenage years in London. Tell mm-hmm. me about growing up in London as a teenager. You know, from... it was, it was. I mean, it, it was, it was good, Tay. Um, like I said, from about the age of fourteen, I was no longer welcome with my dad. So I, I was now more with my mom. My school fees were still paid. I still got pocket money allowance mm-hmm. you know I wasn't abandoned financially but I was abandoned emotionally um and so I suffered a lot of abandonment issues mm. um which also then started leading to this validation that I needed people um people pleasing validation wanting a community wanting a family trying to get your own family looking for family in the wrong places yes. you know and also there's a chapter in the book called the endless search for a father figure looking for a father figure, you know. Um, my my mom did remarry, but your dad is your dad, right? Yes. And um, my, mom's, my, my, my mom's husband is my dad as well. But I, I know my biological father, yes. right? You know, so... There's only so much you can do to fill that void. So my, he, he, even, he even really fills it. <laughs> He's even my dad. And I love him. He's wonderful. But that doesn't mean somebody did not abandon you. And that doesn't mean as a teenage girl, you are still not wondering why. That doesn't mean that you're not still searching, you know, because the mind and human brain is not wired to be like, oh, well, I I will replace. Mm -hmm. You will still feel abandoned. Mm -hmm. You will still wonder why you were abandoned. Yeah, you still want to answers to that. Thank you. There will still be answers. And even when it doesn't come, you keep searching. That's it. 
You know, so my teenage years, I would say, was filled with some wrong choices, especially wrong choices in friendships, wrong choices with men. Mm. You know, um, 18, 19, when we start dating, kind of looking for this, yeah. this thing that your dad did not do for you. Because I noticed that my friends, that their dad was, you are Present. my princess. Yeah. <laughs> they knew who they were. Yes. <laughs> they were confident. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. nobody yes. could even teach them or tell them or coax them because they were solid. Do, you know? Do you know, Liz, that's one of the, the things that, you know, I got to a point in my life where I was, I started envying people who had like families, father, mother, together. Two-parent households. I, I, used, I used to always say that, you know, the best thing that happened to me was my granny raising me. Although she was financially capable to, you know, to do the work, but now that I'm older, I'm just like, you know, there's so many things that I don't have that I keep looking for, that validation you're talking about. And I wish that, you know, I had the normal setting. Because I see kids that they were raised with their family, regardless of whatever life throws at them. There's still that thing where I know who I am. I can speak to my father. I can speak to my mother. You know, this was, this was what my dad would have said in this situation. But people like us, we... We, be, we have to figure out everything. That is it. It makes you make like some wrong choices. That is it. That is it. And you know, it's funny because my husband, um, he came from a two-parent mm-hmm. home. And I don't by all means think that people who are in a two-parent home means they have it all together yeah. or that the parents are the best parents. Yeah, of course. I don't think that. But what I do know is that, number one, there's no search because you have a mother and father figure and you are more balanced. I would say that at some point, because I was after the detachment from my father and because I was so into a woman, I had a blurred version or vision of what man and woman relationship should be. should be. You know, my mom is so strong and so powerful. My granny too. You know, and what that meant was that I was showing up as an alpha female because I'm used to this woman who mm-hmm. is, and my mom is even very, very much yeah. like, we don't take nonsense. Yes, so independent. What is this? Independent, yeah. mm-hmm. go get a fiery. We don't need the know? man. And I became that, that girl even more than herself, I would say. Because I think that with wisdom and because she's older, mm-hmm. the time she grew up in, she pulled you and reined you in. Yes. But with me, you know, if you reined me, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, or I was like, on yeah. On fire for fire. She she so and I had to relearn. There's a saying in Yoruba, Temisa, that which basically means you will give birth to yourself again, which means you relearn and unlearn. And it's the hardest thing to do. To and that's learn. what I, I had to do. You know, I had to do with marriage, with my career as a woman, as a human, you know, relearn myself, mm. you know, and face my traumas and put a mirror to my own face, which is very difficult. You know, it's painful it to is. look at yourself and say, this is, this is who I am. This is why I'm doing this. This is what I need to fix. But those are things that I've done over the years. Mm. And that's why I wrote the book. I'm so proud. Um, let's talk about Lizia Moja. Mm. They don't even know you have Lizia Moja. Lizia Shaw now is the CEO, the married woman. But let's talk about Lizia ah, Moja. Give Liz us the tea Moja. on Lizia. Lizia Moja. Lizia Moja. <laughs> because you know, when I, you know, when I started working for you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I would hear people say, oh, Liz, Lizia Moja has a PR company. I'm like, who's, who's, who's Lizia Moja? Moja? Oh, I don't know Liz. <laughs> it's like, you had, you've, had you've, you've lived two different lives. I have. You've lived, I, I have. Lizia Moja, now you're living Lizia Show. But please tell me about Lizia Moja. So it's interesting because Lizia Moja was like my stage name. I had a TV show, you know? I had mm-hmm. a TV show. But before the TV show, in the advent of Facebook, you know, we all moved from High Five. We got this Facebook. I always used to have long hair. 
Mm-hmm. My hair will be all the way down here. Sleek. Remy Goddess. That was the name of the oh, brand. Oh, shit. Remy. I, I, I'd be like Goddess. That's synthetic wig. It was real. You know, it was so expensive. But I was working. I was earning good money. So I could afford it. It oh, was shit. real. Human hair. Long. 26 inches. I had you a city girl. A proper city girl. I was. I worked in recruitment, you know. And I had this friend, Deji, that every time he sees me, he'll say, yeah, more ja. Hi. Yeah, oh, Moja. Because of the hair. Right. You know, I had this um convertible BMW. Energy. Red, silver, red interiors. Uh-uh. I would, uh-uh. In London. I, of course now. <laughs> I had I made one bad mistake, Timisa. My dad gave me 20,000 pounds. Ah! Which kind of with that? My father gave me 20,000 pounds. I believe pounds. you don't have trauma. You've lived. Lisa, beg, 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 beg. My father gave me 20,000 pounds. I was supposed to put At it down time. on the house. I'm telling you. So that time, you can imagine what the equivalent is now. I was supposed to put it down in the house. I first buy convertible car. That was what I did. You know, so I was flossing. I was, in fact, I was the girl that I wouldn't wait for a man to buy champagne. Let me go buy you champagne. Ah, That was Liz Yamoja. You know, I would go into the club. I would buy the champagne. Yeah, I was living. You know, and I worked with a company, I'm sure you know them, called Cocoba. You know, Cocoba was then bringing people um, from from Nigeria Nigeria to artists. We started with Basket Mouth. We did Debange. We did when they call Mohits to Moshe. Mm -hmm. You know, we did a lot of um, those sort of things. And so that's how I got into TV. And because that, my friend was calling me Yamoja. I gave myself Lizzie Amoja. Love and it. so that's where the name came from. You know, and so I started doing television. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, interviewing these guys. And so there's nobody really from Tiwa to Whiskey to P Square that I hadn't interviewed at that time. And so I got a little bit of notoriety. Mm-hmm. I was notorious, yeah. you know, and I moved to Nigeria to go out to come and blow fully. But Nigeria showed me, eh? <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about moving back to... So first of all, the decision to move from all of that... Um, well, let's say you were secure. I mean, there was money, mm-hmm. that was okay. Mm-hmm. But you decided to come back to Nigeria after mm-hmm. living so long in the, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Why, first of all? Heartbreak. So I had broken up with someone. I was really, really depressed. Um, and the thing about England is it's it's all well and good, but there's a glass ceiling. Yeah. And I can say that confidently now that I live in the United States mm-hmm. because there's an American dream and it's real. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people blow in America. I'm not saying people can't do well in England, but I feel like there's more of a glass ceiling and that I I, I already at 28, because I moved back here at 28, Mm. could see that there was only so far I could go. Right. You know, as a black woman, you know, and as somebody who wanted to pursue media. Right. I had this love of media. And so I moved back with my heartbreak. I remember I didn't even move out of my house. I just packed two suitcases. My mom moved out. She bought a truck, like a small van, put all my things in the van and sent that van, shipped it to Nigeria. Shipped it to me in 1,000. How bad was it? I just was sad. I was sad. You know, the thing about England is that it's gloomy. Yeah. You know, the weather, the weather you know, you'll we'll be really taking bus. Like mm. You'll be taking, you know, you can die in England and nobody, nobody would know. know. Yes. Until your body starts smelling. I, Lisa, I, There's I, no community. You know, I mean, wanted to say, but I didn't want to say so that they don't, they don't, don't crucify people you. People will not give me work because I really want to work in London as well. Right. But I didn't really like London. Mm. I, it's like that in London with this. Mm. I can't live there. Ever yeah. again, I, I'll say that they, they can't make me live there. Nobody, nothing can make me live there. Not amount of money. I like sun. Yeah. I like community. You know, and London's felt like suffering after yeah. a while for me. I felt like I was suffering. I was not happy, and so I moved here to be a TV presenter. But life took a different, <laughs> a different turn. Tell me, tell me about um, because so when you moved back, you you started working for Genevieve, right? I the did. magazine. I did. But what, the plan was to always be on TV. So the plan was to be on TV and I actually, 
asked Genevieve to interview me as Liz Yemoja now, as mm-hmm. the big star yes, from now. London. But they, it didn't come through. So instead, you know, while I was chasing them to say, how come you guys haven't interviewed me? They said that their online manager had just quit. And it, had, it was now four months. I'd been here. The money my dad gave me was dwindling. You know, Lagos mm-hmm. is not cheap. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially when you're living a baby girl life. I just came back from London. I was, having, to... I was having tea here, there, and yeah, everywhere. Lunch, having, brunch. Do you understand? Brunches. And the money was finishing. So yeah. I just said, well, I think I'm good at social media. You know, I've amassed a following for myself. Yeah. I felt like I could help you guys. And, you know, they said, come and interview on Friday. I think this was Thursday. I interviewed on Friday. I started on Monday. And the rest is history. I ended up helping Genevieve build their online presence and actually being some sort of PR mm. girl. I didn't realize, we but didn't call it that, but that was essentially was what I was, yeah. you know, because um, I was in charge of all the events, any summer party. Mm-hmm. I, Genevieve, Mrs. Irabot took me like this, yeah. like her daughter. So Genevieve really helped mold my life in Lagos, you know, and I was, I gave her my time, four years I dedicated, but Genevieve also gave me a lot and Mrs. Irabot gave me a lot. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I thrived. I really thrived. I really enjoyed Lagos as bad as Lagos can be. You know, it is a fantastic place to grow. Yeah. It's a fantastic place to, to be, um, to network, as well. to network. Um, opportunities are amazing and I couldn't have gotten what I got. I don't think I would have set up so me in London the way it's yeah. established yeah. here. Yeah. I don't think I would have worked with the yeah. brands that I work with now if I was still in London. But- but, you know, Liz, like, coming from the background you're coming from, right, you had no background in PR. I didn't. So what gave you the confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to start so many solutions and you're going to be a PR agency? If I don't mention my husband now, he'll watch this thing and say, he didn't give me my credit. <laughs> so he was part of the reason. He actually was really, um, he was like, you're doing well. You know, you do well and you're so passionate. I had already started doing stuff in the, on the side. Um, for you know, people. for people, people were calling. There's like solo phones. They wanted some sort of activation. Mm, remember solo phones? Yeah, yeah. So oh I my god! Solo phones. You know, then another one of my clients, God rest his soul, Kayode Farm. He wanted to do some sort of thing. They needed Dakore because of Genevieve. I had all these people's Contact. numbers, yeah. so I was able to call Dakore for him. Zena Balogun. I was able to say another person that's quite fit is Zena Balogun. Why don't we consider her? Mm-hmm. We, I called Zena Balogun. You know, I made the intro, and we were doing production. Again, I didn't know that I was doing production, but that was what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But so after we produce the you know content. They needed to spread it. Mm-hmm. So they would be like, okay, but where are we going to amplify this? Mm. I didn't realize it was PR, but I would call Bella Niger yeah. and I would say, oh, I know Bella Niger. Bella Niger can post it. Okay, Linda Ikeji can post it. There's even one called Stella, even though, Stella it's, <laughs> even though it's gossip, but I think that yeah. a lot of people read that blog, you know? And so it, that was how I was amplifying because every time we created content, we needed to amplify. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it, it began. And before you know it, you know, people want newspapers. And then I'm, okay, this day I'm having to figure out, you know, who the call, biggest, yeah. you know, um, journalists are, the biggest platforms are. And that was where I realized that, okay, I'm doing PR. And so friends were the ones saying to me, Liz, you realize this is what you're doing. You're doing PR. You realize this is PR and that you're good at it. I was like, eh, it's PR. Okay. And I'm good at it. Okay. You know, you can do events. And so even Solo then had an event and we're like, okay, who are the famous people that are going to come? We didn't even have influence. We didn't call it influencing Just celebrities. Them. I'll say, okay, don't worry. Juliette Ibrahim is around and I mm-hmm. think she likes me. I'll DM her. Mm-hmm. This person, Osas follows me. I would tell her to so come. relationships. And so I started like, and that was how it was. And before you knew it, my husband literally was like, why don't you do this for yourself? Set up a proper company, you know? And, Were you scared? And I did. 
to start? Mm, I wasn't. Because if you've never been really, fe- if you fearless, so. yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. You know why? Number one, I had a husband now that was going to make sure I ate and I had a roof over my head. <laughs> so even if bad as bad, bad, I see I will eat. I will eat and I will have a house because he was paying the rent and he was giving me food. You know, or at least food was in the house. Yeah. So it was okay to take a risk. You know, it was a calculated risk that was not going to leave me homeless or depressed like where I was coming from from London. Mm. So I said, you know what, let me give this my my gusto. And I think he he also really helped to just give me the encouragement that I need. Because you know, Tay, it's about encouragement and the what you're hearing in your ears. Mm-hmm. Especially for somebody like me. I don't know about you. You know, it's who I'm surrounding myself with mm, that is giving that me well, like that is giving me, you know, fuel, energy. See. What are you hearing? What are you consuming? What are people telling you? And at that time, when I just got married, it was Mrs. B, my mentor, Ola Balogun. It was my husband, you know, and always my mom that has been steadfast that were saying I would bounce ideas of I want to do this, I want to do that. And it's so funny that even though Mrs. B was in the same space as me, she gave me her shoulders to stand on, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember I would do more bows and tell her to come. She will come when she can to support and be the celebrity face. Mm -hmm. At least she's a celebrity PR person, you know. Um, And and I just grew and grew. And the industry supported me, Mm. you know. Girls Day, girls yes, stood for yes, me, yes. you know. I'm just trying to think of names then. Beverly Naya, they would mm. come to my things. You know, I would say, okay, I'm now working with Sweet Kiwi. They would Thompson. all fl- they would all fall through. Mm. Timini, mm. you know, and that's Jemima Osude. They would all come. They weren't the big stars now. Mm-hmm. They, they too, they were just starting. Yeah. But we all started together and everybody supported each other. But go. now they want one million <laughs> to even... <laughs> one million? <laughs> they want one million to even talk to you now, uh, to take the call. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but you also had a very interesting... Like, some is eight years now. You were eight years this year. I remember... I joined, what year did I join? You were uh, like what year did three you years? join? Three years? Yeah, you were about three years. Yeah. yeah. So, five years ago, you were... Yeah. And you know... I, How did you join? Okay, so... <laughs> I forgot. How did you know about Sumi? So, you know, say... I don't need to do social media already. I was already coming up. And I, I was like, maybe on you had tea 10K or 12K followers. And you know, say I resigned for that formal work. What I need to do? Seems no day easy. I can't go collect work as P with Vaughn. Remember Vaughn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but in my, in my head, I, yeah, Vaughn. I loved Vaughn, but I just like, you know, there's more to me than being an assistant, right? You know, I already worked in comms before and I needed somewhere to, you know, grow. And at the time, you were doing South African tourism. Mm, now that's you, South Africa. Yes. You came to my office with Efetomi. In Wallelatetus Crescent. With, with their faithful Yes, that time yeah. you were sharing an office. Of, I, don't, I don't know you were sharing. It was one, one building, yes. And that time, I was out of a job, mm. but I was already popping on social media. But I did not want to be out of a job because I, because I, didn't, I wasn't sure what social media was going to right, do. Right, right, right. So I think I, I came to you and said, you know, I want to work with you. You say, ha, I know if you pay you, you don't need. I say, don't worry, we'll go I'll rough. I'll just do it, I'll yeah. just do it. But you, you didn't accept until much later. You accepted when you had, you took on. Wogay um, started. Um, you took on, what's this place on Admiralty Way that this person's husband owns? You took on two new clients and you needed somebody to help you for a month. Remember. Oh, wow. So, I can't even remember. Yes, yeah, so I remember. Let me do so for that time. I remember. So I kept, so you now called me up and said, Do you still want this job? I have it for just a month. <laughs> and that time, I say, ah, if I if I leave this job after a month, I might twist. 
I but you didn't tell in. me. But you didn't I, tell I, I, me. I'm gonna tell you, you go, you go lowball me. If I tell you, you go price me less. <laughs> I say, ah, uh, because I think you were paying me 120 at the time. That was big money because where I come, coming from, you know, you know, say 120 was big, and for comms pressing, it was huge. And you weren't even full time because this boy I was three times negotiated. Well, I had a career. Yeah, I had it. You, you did. But you did. I wasn't sure about it. So to be safe, I wanted to also build myself and work smart. Yeah, work under you. And I think one of the things that I would say thank you for is that, you know, I saw the celebrity, the scene from the back end. I worked from the back end to say, okay, now so you did good. Now, so this is where you should be. Mm. Certain kind of places you should be. This is mm. how you should position. Mm. And strategy. You know, and strategy. I learned a lot of strategy. Just even being in that space, I knew too many things. So by the time I was ready for my own career, I was equipped. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you knew even what brands want to hear. Yes. You knew what sp- sponsorship was going. You would be in those rooms. Uh, did yeah. we not go to Unilever so we many went, times? We went every brand meeting. <laughs> where, like, so when I when I switched to Bin Timisan, mm-hmm. people were like, oh, I already know him you now. Know so, you know, him. I already yeah. had relationships yeah. that I could leverage on. In fact, on. I would go after a while, like mm-hmm. after you had been with me for a year, we mm-hmm. would go to some companies yeah. and then they would be like, TVT, it's yeah. like a celebrity yeah. came, TVT. So that's when things started. You know, when when I was already doing so many solutions, TVT was growing to the yeah. point where they were bouncing off each other. I could use some of the cloud from TVT to get into rooms. It was just perfect. Can I tell you what I loved about having you? Number one, it was funny. You know, mm-hmm. I was going through infertility. I'm not sure if you knew or I knew how you much had some you issues, knew. But, you but like, it was nice to come into the office because we had an office. Guys, mm-hmm. this office had like 12 people it's all in one room. Very tight corner. Very tight corner, but everybody mm-hmm. had their desks. Mm-hmm. I had the biggest desk, yes, obviously, yes. as the ogre. But you were funny, you know, and I would laugh. And we had our own little bond. And I'm mm-hmm. sure everybody would be doing Yimu for us because yeah. we would go to the gym together. Or yeah. I would be on my way to the gym. You would say, drop me. Mm-hmm. I would take you to lunches. Yeah. I know they take oh, no, anybody else no, to lunch. No, Liz, I was Liz's pet. I, you uh, were my pet. She was, he was they, teacher's they pet. They knew that, they did, like, I was so close to Liz. Yeah. They, they used to send me to Liz. Yeah. <laughs> So I liked also though on a work, you helped my company grow. Mm. You really helped. I on a work you did your work. Mm-hmm. You know, you had access. Could I call Toke? I know Toke, but can mm-hmm. I call Toke yeah. to do anything mm. for me? But literally, I would be able to put Toke on a flyer because you had made that call and yeah. Toke is in Toke now. Yeah. Anything to miss wanted, she would do. You know, and which helped with my my brand. A lot of the relationships that we have now and that we've been able to leverage. Mm-hmm. When we got Disney, Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. maybe we used Bio mm-hmm. for the invite. Yeah. I don't know Bio. Mm-hmm. I know Bio through you, yeah. Steve Chooks. So many celebrities, yeah. influencers, mm-hmm. you helped connect. So mm-hmm. I want to say thank you for being diligent <laughs> because as you worked from Give us, dollars. I'll just thank you. <laughs> as you worked for us, you know, mm-hmm. um, as or as we worked for you, mm-hmm. you also worked for yeah. us. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a great relationship. It was a great, it relationship. Was a great relationship. Let's talk about infertility. Mm. You know, for you to for you saying this now makes more sense because I knew that there was stuff you were going through, but you you were always showing up at work as if nothing. I knew there was something off, but like you were always showing up as if nothing was happening at the time. Mm. But I knew that you had been married for a while. Obviously, a baby you needed a baby, but the baby wasn't present. Mm. Right? It was. I knew after the fact that you were always looking. Tell me about that journey, you know, having gotten married and expecting yourself to just, expecting to just have a baby, mm. your career is, things are going well, but mm. where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Yeah. You know, it's funny because the, the book, the And book. after a while, Nigerians can be Nigerians like, yeah. ah, it's that far. Yeah. They'll ask the... you, even, even like parents, friends, you know, they'll ask you, like, what's going on, you know, and are you stressed? Are you too much into work? You know? Are you even having sex? Because mm. at this point, it's maybe you, you are just partying. Sex now becomes you're going work. To, 
you know, they're asking you, like, are you sure you're doing this? Or because I saw you posting one thing for one client. Are you sure you're not into work too much? Or how do you get pregnant when you're in South Africa? Maybe she works with South African tourism. She's in South Africa. I remember Africa. those conversations. And they used to always get to you because, you know, people thought that you carried the work on your head so much that you didn't have time to. I didn't have time for, for the home. But it was funny because it, the, 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 the truth couldn't be further. You know, it couldn't be further from the truth. And I had wanted, my husband and I, we had wanted to be pregnant by our white wedding. You know, now, trad, December, mm -hmm. our white wedding was the next year. We had this plan, but, you know, they say you plan, but God has a oh, bigger plan. Mm -hmm. And it was really painful, um, Timmy-san, to be wanting something so bad, and it was just never there. It eludes you to be spending a lot of Sony's money, a lot of my husband's money went on IVF. IVF is crazy. It will consume you emotionally and it will take all your money. You know, and at the time, we were doing okay, but we weren't, I wasn't a multimillionaire. Yeah. You know, so a round of IVF, uh, five, six, seven million, is plenty profits. Yes. <laughs> you know, from your work. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's what you use to buy designer bags. Yes. <laughs> but I was not buying designer bags. I was spending it on drugs and trying to get this baby. It, it was consuming. Um, and I had a choice to make. Either I let it consume me and I became depressed or I would cry, which I would often cry. Do you know how many times I would cry in the car before I enter? Remember my driver, Uche? He saw the worst of it. I would cry because they've called me and they've said this IVF didn't work. This round of IVF didn't work. They would call me and say, we got two eggs, but one is not good. Let's see by tomorrow if the other one will be work working. And I literally am on my way to work when I'm getting a call saying, Mrs. Osho, I'm sad to say I have bad news. Mrs. Osho, are you sitting down? I want to tell you. Almost like someone passed. And each time it felt, it felt like I was grieving. I would grieve. Yeah. I was grieving my fertility. I was grieving for this loss of something that I didn't even have. And I wanted this baby. And it was affecting everything, affecting how I would show up. You know, to be honest, I look back and I think that some of my tantrums, even at work, I can just be angry. I know. And it would be because of this thing, yes. this other thing. I didn't allow me to be fully present. Mm -hmm. I was present, but I wasn't yes. fully present. Yes. I wasn't my happiest self. Yes. I was very sad, mm. you know, and um, it was intense. But I had to choose to show up. And so, yes, I think I, after a while, I did let work consume me. At least if I know half child, I would be, I would be a badass <laughs> PR girl, you know? I, I allowed work to consume me. And remember my 35th birthday? Oh. It was, that was what I used to really console myself. Yes. Yeah, I would party, I would drink, and people would come. Mm. Because if I don't have this baby, let me have something to be do, happy about. Do you know what the gag is? Mm. With, I remember me and um, this baby walking on, on the birthday and everything. I had no idea that you were going through this. Idara, I we, just had a loss, actually. We, I had just had like a, well, not loss, I, but a failed cycle. We call yeah. it a failed cycle. I had just had a failed cycle. Please tell me about this. How does a cycle work? Because, you know, give me, give me context. Because, you know, I hear this thing where you say, oh, my IVF failed and, you know, women are traumatized. Mm -hmm. if, for people that don't understand it, how mm -hmm. does your cycle work? Okay, the first thing that we want to know is that a man produces sperm every day. Right. You just eat and you produce another new set of sperm. Yeah. You're not born with sperm. Right. You create it. Right. A woman is born with her lifetime supply of eggs. So from when I was in my mother's womb, I had my eggs, which meant when my grandmother was pregnant with my mom, I was already there somewhere mm. because I was in my mom. Remember, I'm an egg from my mom. Right. 
Right. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So because I'm born with my lifetime supply of eggs, for whatever reason, some of us, our eggs are not as succulous. So my issue is actually like an egg issue, right? And the cycle means they need to get sperm and they need to get egg and it needs to fuse. And then they do that outside in a lab. That's why it's called IVF, in vitro. Mm -hmm. And then they put it inside you. So because of that, there's so many variables because the sperm must be good. The egg must be good. They must meet. They must, you know, fuse. Yeah. They must become an embryo. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, they have to divide. Yeah. And then that embryo must come inside you. Your body must accept it. Because oftentimes, people's bodies don't even accept it. They may, Their body would think it's a foreign object. That's not how God intended oh. for us to. You're supposed to have sex with a woman and then yeah. it happens. So the fact that something is being placed in you, oftentimes the, the egg may not even stay. So, that is a whole cycle. And for them to remove eggs from you, remember that is not natural. It is something that the doctors are inducing. Yeah, yeah. You must take injections. It's a whole thing. It, the process is like a seven, eight week process from you taking injections mm -hmm. to prep you to have many mm -hmm. eggs. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have your period as a woman, one egg gets released. Yeah. But when you do IVF, they want more than one egg. Yeah. They're hoping for surplus eggs yeah. so that they can harvest those eggs mm -hmm. and they can put the sperm with the eggs mm -hmm. in a Petri dish, in a lab, and then put it back inside you. And so that's what IVF is. And that process is expensive. And that process is emotional. And I've done that process five times. Yeah. Did that make you feel inadequate at some point? You start asking questions. You even fight with God now. Mm. You say, God, you must hate me. You must hate me because, you know, you're making me suffer. Yes. You know, you're making me suffer. You're for making, something that people get. Yeah, for something that people get so easily. You know, um, and it's such a task for me. And it's so draining emotionally, physically, spiritually. Babe, I, I went to God now. I had to go to God. At the time where the year that I had my, I, I got pregnant with my son, there's no church I had not been to. I had seen Netanyahu Basi <laughs> face to face. He had prayed for me. I had gone to sorting out. You know, I was part of Cornerstone. I was part of the, the Cornerstone. Four o'clock. Mm. I was every day. For two years, actually, four o'clock every day, I wake up to join the prayer group. I was on a prayer line, you know, because you're, I was searching. I was like, God, I, just, I need you to show up, you know? Um, so yeah, I've, I've lived many lives indeed from this mm -hmm. Yamoja mm -hmm. to, to, this, to yeah. this and, you know, to, to me now as a mother who's about to turn 40, um, many things have happened. So I, I want to also get the insight on this. Did you, were you ever worried that it might not happen? I was. And it's funny because I was, Remember we were doing Grey Velvet, mm -hmm. you know, and um, the owner of Grey Vel Velvet, she's a bit erratic. I'm sure she'll be okay with me saying it. She's, yeah. she's a bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she said something very poignant to me. It was her. Because, you know, at that time, just because I was not always physically stable, sorry, mentally, mm -hmm. I was not always mentally there. I sometimes, if I had an older, mature client, I would let them know. Or if I got close to them, you know, I'm a, I'm a people's yeah, person yes, now. Yes, yes, you talk. So yeah. I would talk, you know. Mm. Not that I'll meet you and I'll start telling you my life. Ah, I'm doing IVF. Mm. No. But as we're talking, as I'm having to see you, and I, I was pre I'm a very present person anyway mm. in the mm -hmm. campaigns. And she said, Liz, you have to be okay with this never happening. She said that to me. It was painful. It stabbed. It, it hurt. Mm. It held my, I held my breath. She goes, I just want to say something. The way you're going to get peace with this situation is that you have to accept that if it never happens, you're not going to die. You're still going to live. 
And so I had to get to that place that I wanted something so bad, but I had to be okay with it not happening anyway. And I had to make the conscious Jeez. decision that I would still live. Mm. I would still live. Even in spite of me searching for this That's thing. It's a very hard decision to come to. Mm-hmm. A hard place to come to. Your husband. Let's talk about your husband. Um, I feel like, you know, going through this, you needed a lot of support. And I feel like when you mentioned him, it's like he was very supportive. Mm, he, he was. was. very <laughs> present, you know, understanding that, you know. He was. He so. was. I mean, but the thing is, he was very supportive to his own abilities. Right. He was very present to how he could be present. Yes. He tried, you know. But I would say at some point as well, it really disoriented him. Especially when, you know, he made the decision to go to America to look for dollars to fund this IVF that we needed to keep doing repetitively. Because after a while, he needed, we needed some serious funds to work serious? This. Yeah. You know, and um, I would say at some point, he checked out, actually. Emotionally. Physically, because he wasn't even present. Mm. He checked out, you know, and it really rocked our marriage. Um, And I knew people were talking because at some point I even removed all our pictures on social media. You know, I would be happy. We'll be in a good place. I'll put it back. You know, Mm. it was very, a very crazy time. Um, But at some point we had to sit down and have a heart to heart and say, look, do we want this marriage? Are we in here to have a child? Is that why we're here? Is that why we're together? If that is the only reason, then maybe we shouldn't even be together. If that is the only reason. Because yes, a union should produce an heir. And we had talked about this. But is this only why we are together? together. And we had to start finding joys. We had to start finding, we had to rediscover ourselves. Even now, as parents, we have to to rediscover. Because to me, I'm so happy. I can't even describe it. I have so much joy. My son gives me so much happiness. My husband and I are in such a good place. But even now, we're relearning each other as new people because we're parents to a 20-month-old. We're not Liz and Tosin that we're doing IVF. You know? Um, so so different it's different stages. Different stages. And you keep learning and you keep learning each other. And you keep growing. And there are new seasons. And we're in a new season now. But it was a tough season. And I thank God that we made it. <sighs> tell me... Tell me. Can you remember the moment that you knew that? I feel like this is getting so intense. Oh, that's what that's what TV says about. It's so intense. Of course, of course, I must go there. <laughs> Tell me about the moment that you first realized that Elijah was going to happen. Um. So yeah, I came. I came. I had been. I, I, there's nothing I didn't do. I had done. Um. It's not called reflexology. What's it called? Acupuncture. They'll be telling you different things that you can't. I know. You know, I I had done acupuncture for four months in America. You know, paying out of pocket as well. Plenty money for them to put the pins. But I actually think it helped. I think because that cycle worked. Mm. You know, I had done acupuncture and I came around and I did another cycle. I was at peace. Not all the other cycles. I had wanted it so badly that Mm. the pressure was crazy. Mm. It was a do or die affair. But this time, Tosi and I were so happy. I was working on bad comments with Jemike. Jim mm. flew me and I told my husband to come along to Abuja. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. doing a cycle. And we were just enjoying each other. We all stayed in one really nice, you know, hotel like that. The Mossas too came. We went clubbing. We had fun. You know, and I knew that that cycle was gonna work. I knew, I knew. You know, my husband. Usually, because he works, he's in, he's in construction. He's a construction engineer, so he works for a company. He's not 
as flexible as I am with time, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I work for myself, I can't mm-hmm. work from anywhere. He has to be on ground. So he came, it took like maybe 10 days. He usually does like a 10-day trip, takes holiday. And we had so much fun. We had the best time. He held my hand. They did the, you know, they put the embryos back in. And I knew, I knew it worked. I knew it worked. And I stayed, I stayed behind. I confirmed the pregnancy. Shout out to Olive Branch Clinic. Shout out to Dr. Mika. And I flew the next day out, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it was it was a sigh of relief, Tay. It was like a mountain was taken off my shoulder. Finally. Let me tell you something. I'm the firstborn child of my mom and my dad. And Tosin is the firstborn child of his mom and his dad. So even now, there are no other grandkids, you know, um, of our immediate parents. Yeah. So it was a lot of pressure on being the first. My yeah. son is the first grandchild on both sides, you know. So um, it was a lot of pressure. Everybody's so, looking and waiting. So I felt relief. I was going to ask mm. about the because how did I miss that? You know, it's one thing to you know say, oh, you know, my husband is supportive. We're going through IVF, but your husband's family. It was tough. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, I talk about it in the book, actually, um, where we've done well. We are healing now. Mm-hmm. But it was really tough, to be honest, at that time. Because things will be said. A lot of things were said. And in fact, my mom said I should check out of the marriage, actually. I talk about it in the book. And my, my, my husband's family as well were like, maybe you guys shouldn't be together. Like, let's be honest here. Because you're not producing fruits. The, the air. The air. You're not producing anything. You guys, you know, what's the, what's the end goal of this marriage? You know, they also live in a different time mm. where that is what a lot of yeah. people get together for. And yes. it was just expected. Yes. yes. You know, so that's why I know that our love story yes. is a to-be story because, you know, we chose we each other. It, yeah. We were intentional about each other. And I, for one, was not going to get divorced. <laughs> Remember my background. <laughs> <laughs> I was not going to get divorced. You know, I, that's not what I planned. Or mm. It wasn't that I, it was a do or die affair, but he's a nice man. My husband is a very, very kind man. And if there's any advice I have for anybody that wants to marry, marry somebody kind. Mm. You know, and for the fact that he was kind, that was how I was able to overlook anything that happened with the families mm-hmm. on both sides. Mm. That was how I was able to grow past our situation because mm-hmm. I knew ultimately this was somebody that was going to be kind to me, that has been kind to me, mm-hmm. even if there were times of unkindness and that somebody that was going to be an excellent father and he's the best daddy ever. Amazing. Shout out to Tosin. <laughs> yeah, the best daddy ever. Best daddy. Yeah. I want to talk about Tosin and, and Elijah. Those are the two most important people in your life right now. Maybe. Let's talk about Tosin first. How do you meet Tosin? So Tosin, it was interesting. Um, one of my friends, she had been married, mm-hmm. but they did not do traditional wedding. They eloped. They just went to courthouse in Texas. So her parents were like, I don't know about that courthouse thing. They're still going to do a proper, like, elaborate wedding. So they came to Nigeria to do the elaborate wedding, and she went to Unilad. All these girls were, like, there at her bridal shower, mm-hmm. I guess. But what do you tell somebody who has already been married five years? They already had two children. You know, if you've been to a bridal shower before, there's a part where you advise the bride. Like, okay, make sure you have sex with your husband. Mm -hmm. Make sure you cook for him. And I was the host. I was the host of this bridal shower. So at that point, everybody, instead of saying advice, because she knew more than us, you know, she had been married so five years at that time, 
we all just had a comment. So somebody was like, ah, the hair that you sell is so expensive. Please bring it down. <laughs> somebody else was saying, ah, take me to parties. So mm -hmm. I was like, I want to get married. A lot of people here are either first year, second year of marriage mm -hmm. or engaged. You know, um, can you introduce me to someone? And that night, two or no, three people came and said they had somebody for me. You know, um, so one of them was like, oh, I have this guy. He lives in Lekki. Another one was like, oh, I have this guy. You know, he's oil and gas. He lives in Abu Dhabi. I was like, give him my number. Let's chat. Even the one in Lekki, give him my number. We'll be chatting Everybody. on WhatsApp. Everybody. So I feel like one of my friends there, Adana, felt left out. And one time she started out. She was just scrolling through her phone. She <laughs> I was must like, give her. I must give her. Everybody <laughs> is giving her. I must give her. So she was like, there's this guy called Tosin. He's in Maryland, though. But I think he wants to relocate. I said, give him my number. Let's chat. Before I left the party, Tosin had already sent a message. Tosin said for marriage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the next week, we had already met because he was coming. You know, he was mm -hmm. coming. In mm -hmm. fact, he had sent me a message saying, so I have these tickets to Alameda's concert. You know, you can come with a plus one, you know. Mm -hmm. So by the next week he was there. In within three weeks of meeting, he had asked that he would like to marry me. Ah, yeah, we were married. Well, you know what? Does he do you have any problem? I just so the funny thing is he went back to America after the holidays. Mm -hmm. So he came for Christmas, but we were in a relationship already. So yeah, you guys we, bonded that much. We bonded. We just bonded, you know. And it was so funny because um, I was I I, I hate telling this story, but. Something bad happened, Sha, and he was trying to tell me off. This mm. was in, within the three weeks. Not anything, Kinney, but he was trying, it was about, it was health related. Yeah. And he was like, you know, you're going to be the mother of my kids. You know, so I just wanted, why are you doing your move? Mm. And I burst into tears. And in that moment, I knew. I just burst into tears. You know, he was like, you know, you're going to be the mother of my kids. It was like, literally, I had just met him. The Yankee swag now. Like, he was romantic. Yeah, they different for me. So he flew me down. I got flew out for my birthday. You know, we met in to December. America. Yeah. So my birthday was in March. He flew me down. I met the family. And we started planning a wedding. And it's so funny because he didn't give me my ring yet. So when I came back and started telling my friends that I'm getting married, they were like, ah. Yeah. Everybody kept looking at my finger. I was like, don't trust proposed. me, I'm getting married. I'm getting married. I'm getting married. We, we got married. We got married. And it's, what, 10 years we met each other this year? Nine years of marriage this year. That's mm -hmm. Guys, remember, <laughs> hook your friends up. Hook your friends Stop up. Stop holding your friends for your sure. friends. That, that literally is our story. Mm -hmm. That literally is our story. Okay, little Elijah, tell me about little Elijah. Because since, you, since you're born here, eh, mm. I know you have maternal instincts, but... Since you're born, like you've been so maternal, you have a page for you and Elijah. I do. Like, like it feels like this is your biggest trophy. Like, you know, they've achieved a lot in life. But you see, Elijah. He's my greatest achievement. He's my greatest achievement. you go through. Yes, yes. No, I mean, he's spoiled, but I'm trying yes, to, he's very yes, spoiled because yes. obviously, you know, that baby that we searched for, mm. and I'm trying my best to make sure that he does not end up like your hmm, dad. You know, um, but. He's just the best thing. Kids will change you, you know. For me, because of the journey to him, I became. I became who I was mm. or who I am, you know. So I felt like he led me to me, Built you me. know. And you hear of this saying. Have you ever heard the saying that, oh, my heart outside my body? Mm. I feel like that's how he is when I see him, you know. I love him so much. He brings me so much joy. He's stressful. Don't get me wrong. And now he's so attached because in America, there's no nanny. It's just yeah. me. He's only just about to go to, when he's two, in May, he'll mm -hmm. start going to school or, you know, he's never been 
How do you feel about him look school? after him? He has to go, please. <laughs> he actually has to go so that he can bond with other people. Mm-hmm. He's very attached, you know. Um, even today, as I was coming here, he cried. He cries when I'm going out. He's not very good with new faces because it's just me and his dad most of the time. Right. He knows his grandparents, mm-hmm. but literally just me and his dad. Um, but he's 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 a great kid. He's really happy to miss her. You know, he's really smiley. He brings so much joy. No matter how crazy, who born that client that would get me mad? I'll still smile because Elijah will say something yeah. crazy or it'll be funny or, you know, he'll just do all his little theatrics and I'm just like, you know, I have joy. You know, um, it's so funny. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. I was talking to my husband and he was just saying, look at us full circle and how happy I am. You know, this is our ninth Valentine together. You know, and we're so happy. I'm so, so happy. And it's not the fake happiness that I have been trying to portray. Yeah. You know, you know when times are rough now, you go just the post, say, oh, I love my, my husband. Ah, but like, I'm truly happy. In fact, I don't post him as much anymore because the happiness is real and I protect mm. it. You know, I don't even need anyone knowing. Mm. I want to tell the, I, I'm writing this book and I want to tell our story because I hope that there are things that other women, young women will learn. Um, one of the things I feel like today is that I did not have a mentor early enough, you know, and I've been seeing some things online about big sister programs. I think that the world needs it. Mm. You know, women, you are pro women anyway. We are the lifeblood, lifeblood of society. Yes. We are the ones that birth. We yes. are the ones that nurture. And so what we know, we usually give down, we yes. pass down to the yes. boys and the girls. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. You know, I have benefited from my relationship with lots and of so women. it is important that young girls are mentored mm. so that they don't go through some of the traumas that I went through. I wish I had somebody that had been guiding me mm-hmm. from a young age yeah. because no way, as close as I am to my mom, she's still not near my age. She's still not somebody that mm. I was selling everything. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? She's still mm. my mom. She mm. wasn't my best friend and she wasn't even trying to be my mm. friend. She was there for me, but she was my mom. So I feel like there needs to be that stop gap, you know? Yeah, because you, you, you've always been a girl, girl's girl. Oh, yeah. Like, you've always been the one that would gather women together, try to look for ways to help them, you know, grow in their careers, you know. You have always been that girl. And it's very intentional. Why, why do you do it? Beyond, you know, just even women needing that relationship, you, you, it feels like you intentionally do it to create communities for women. I feel like that's, like, even hereditary. Mm. dare I say that it's inbuilt that was what my grandmother mm-hmm. lived for she was a gynae mm. you know and so she was all about women helping women grow helping women you know have babies actually mm-hmm. which is <laughs> a reverse I, I... like you know which is she struggled because she only had that one child I struggled oh. and she was a gynecologist you know so you see and I talk about that in the book so is that what you, generational... you mentioned generational causes <laughs> I don't agree, but okay. Well, well, but, well it's there. No. There's a pattern. It's mm. actually a pattern. My mom even also had 10 years between me and my do- my, my, brother. my brother. So there's some sort true, of true. history of delay. There's some, definitely yeah. there's some sort of delay. Yeah. You know, um, and so pray against generational curses and delays. But um, I love women because everything that I am Everything that I've achieved, a woman has been instrumental in mm. helping me get, mm. you know. And I just feel like, and I don't want to be cliche about it, but whenever I have collaborated, it has been a stronger output. I have not done things alone. Say, everything that I've done that has been massive, I collaborated probably with a woman. 
mm. you know, and life is just sweeter when we are getting on, when we are not struggling, when we are not competing, yeah. when we can build together, when we can enjoy together and laugh together. I love life, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love a good party. Yes, so. I love a good shinding. <laughs> I love to dance. Without your funny dance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for me, with all of that, why, if we're not getting on, mm. we can't have a good time now. But you know how they say so women can be catty when they get, get, like, so how do you deal with the other side of it? Because mm. one, it, women, when they work together, they produce amazing things. But there's also another side to women that, especially when they're not whole, mm. when they link up, can it can be, be messy. Chaotic. Oh, uh, definitely. So for me, um, because I've been a people pleaser all my life, mm-hmm. because I suffer from abandonment issues, Speak about it. I um, did things wrong for so many years. But I've done a lot of self-work. I've Reflection. done a lot of healing. And I am not about women supporting women to their detriment. Right. So I have now put a lot of boundaries in place. And I feel like maybe sometimes people will say, ah, but we knew this girl now. Why is she feeling, who is she now? Why is she feeling special? But I protect my mental health. Mm. Being a mom, being somebody who is working in multiple time zones, I I, I have very soft tolerance. My tolerance is very little. It's not like before where you're available still for just, anything, yeah, yeah, I'm available for anything. I'll mm. still just, you know, know that this thing is bad for me, overlook but I'll, it, I'll yeah. over, I don't overlook anymore. I think I'm getting there too. What, 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 what will happen to you that, you know, you finally get to that resolve that say, to say that I'm going to do better with myself. I'm going to stop being a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Because for the longest time, and that's the conversation we are having before we got on the podcast, right. that, you know, I didn't realize how much I was a people pleaser. Mm. Like, I would look for everybody else's validation except my own or, or God's validation. And I think it's part of the trauma that we faced, you know. And at some point, it's subserving you because you're exhausted by it. Like, you're exhausted from fulfilling other people's wishes except yours. But what drove you to that point where you're like, you know, Liz, you know, you really don't need them as much as you think. Mm. Focus on you. Mm. I sat down and I thought, to what end? Because something, you know, I'm a strategist, right? Mm. And something has to make sense. Yes. So that if there's a way that you are inconveniencing yourself, what are you getting from it? Mm. If it's not money, if it's not one's kind of spiritual growth, if I leave you feeling worse than I came in your presence, that's already all the sign that I need to know. Mm, you're preaching, Liz. If I leave you feeling worse than mm-hmm. how I came, I'm feeling worse, I'm I'm shaking, you're, you've made my ang- I'm yes, more anxious, anxious. Yes. I'm feeling anxious you've made me start thinking you've Smaller. made me feel bad do you understand what mm. I mean you're trying to demean me you're mm. trying to make me feel low I don't want it you know and trust me it's not a thing that will happen it's a feeling Temisan sense will tell you and guess what <laughs> your sense may have been trying to tell you for years but you, but refuse, you, ask, you refuse it, yes. it. Yeah. because also you don't want to be alone you don't want to be you know, and you like the sense of community. And someone like me as well, who suffers from abandonment issue, that validation of community, they love me, is very important to me. Please, let's talk about that. It's very important to me, or oh was, gosh. should I say, very important to me. Let me adjust my mind. <laughs> so there came a time where I had to be like, Liz, it's either that you're going to sink and you're literally going to physically sink because you're going to constantly be compressed. And it's back to that glass ceiling I spoke about in England, mm. where... But it's, it's a different way because this yeah. is now metaphorically speaking. Right. It wasn't a like physical, even that yeah. was metaphorical. Yeah. But you're put, you're placed in a box and you can't go beyond that box. Because of? Because of what people are saying or because of the circle that you're in. 
you know, or because you're just constantly trying to people please. Yeah. And so guess what, Timmy-san? It comes in comments, funny comments that you've overlooked. Over it the comes, years. Over the years. It com- comes in. You know, people can speak without speaking, mm. without saying. In your brother, they say, Figbo bueno sorrow. They won't teach yes. bueno sorrow, but yes. they would kind of hint it to you that this is how they feel about you. You would know. And it brings you down. Mm. And it brings you down. And it kills your mojo. And it kills your vibe. And I'm a very happy-go-lucky person. If there's anything that anybody... I'm not a mean bro, Timisa. I know that you're not. If there's anything that anybody knows about me, I like life. Yes. I'm a Jai girl. Yes. I yes. like a good time. Mm-hmm. My own good time is... Over the years, it has wound down. Yeah. I can't drink as much. Mm-hmm. I can't party as much. But I like to laugh. I mm-hmm. like to be happy. Yeah. And I like to see people succeed. I will put you on. I'm not a gatekeeper. You know, and so in aligning with people, you must be like me. So if there's any parts of you, if you're a mean girl, we can't get on. If you're a gatekeeper, we can't get on. If you put people down, we can't get on. The only mm. thing is we can gossip. I like to gossip. Uh, <laughs> I hey, say, ah, we, can go, we can gossip. We can gossip. But you can read you know? Timmy, Liz. <laughs> I love to have a little cheap wag. <laughs> And I'm not going to lie about yeah, it, you know, yeah, because, yeah, yeah I will t- we will all say what's going down in these streets. Yes, yes. We will talk yes, from yeah. Bendel to... But also, it's not also from a mean place. It's not from a mean place. Yeah, it's like... Know, it's not from a mean place. And I want to see you win, even mm. if I'll talk your gist, but I want to see you win. <laughs> <laughs> it's I want for to me. See, I want to see you win. You know, but my thing is, if I see that you are going to take my peace, mm. because it's peace over everything and whoever brings the most peace gets my most time and by the time you start to disturb my peace i'm going to have to disassociate sorry do you know how long it took me to finally get here do you know how long you know because you, know, you can be functioning in a way that you think that oh, this is the way to go mm. until you finally just get there's a light bulb moment that mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. you're just like timmy san like do you want to go through life just everybody else is happy but you right because your energy you've given you've and it's pleasing and it's hard work. And the biggest issue with unlearning, like the biggest thing is unlearning. Unlearning is even it's worse than learning. It's more painful. Absolutely. Because it shows you a mirror. It holds, it holds a mirror against your face and it says, this is who you are. Yeah. It's what you need to change. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, when, when you're about to change, change comes with lots of resistance. Absolutely. Because now you're brand new. Who do Absolutely. you think you are? Absolutely. Like, I, I, I know that list mm. that we were in you know, yes, even so. helping or we were, you know, taking pictures with or we were... <clears throat> I it's a, it's it a lonely place to be. It is, it is. But I had to go through that. And guess what? You know why I was lucky? I was detached from my reality. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. That journey of IVF detached me because it's a lonely journey anyway. So I was forced to be lonely after a while. Then I was physically removed from where I was, my surroundings. I started a new life in Maryland. I started a new set of friends. So, I, started have, a, so I was physically, emotionally, spiritually removed. So you have time for clarity. I had time for clarity. And I, after a while, I shut out the noise. And so I, I could rebuild. And then I knew what's good for me, what's not good for me, who to align with, who has my best interest. And also, guess what, Timisha? Who makes it easy? If it's hard work to be around you, I don't want it. I don't want to do hard work. It has to be simple. We have to be easy. You have to give me grace. You have to understand that some days I'm not in the mood. Mm-hmm. And I have to be able to tell you I'm not in the mood. And you don't think that I'm beginning to yes. feel myself because I'm not in the mood. Do you understand? In fact, you know, we give each other grace. And some days I won't respond, but it's okay. And when I, I'll tell you, that day I was just feeling this way. Oh, 
Do you understand? And I'm real with you. And where we're real with each other without anybody feel, getting in their feelings do, about do, it. Do you know what me and Tuka call ourselves? Mm. Blue Maintenance Friends. That's it. High five, high five to Lou Minton and friends. Because that's it. Because that's how we are to yeah. Liz. Liz, we can go one more to start talking. We, we and once talk. we reconvene, that's, that's, that's two it. hours. And I'll call you and I'll say, say, this is how I am. You'll be like, ah, oh, Liz, I beg, I beg, I beg. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what it is. Yes. And that's how it should be. Because we're going through life. That's it. Life we're going is through happening. things. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes what you need from your friends is just to sit down and listen. That's it. Not just sit down and be there. And I don't even need to... your advice. Yes. No advice. But I want to vent. I want to vent. You know, and that's what I've learned because I have a very good friend. Her name is Mercy Ajisafe. Oh, yeah. And she's, oh, she's one of my very close friends. I love to talk to her because she's so intelligent, so cerebral. Very cerebral. You know, and for her, she's the one who taught me how that you can talk to a friend and you can say to them, do you want me to listen or do you need my advice? And I've learned now to say, do you want me to listen, by the way? Or do you want... Because Liz is a strategist, remember? Yes, so I like to advise. Way. I want to give That's you advice. That's my problem, too. I'm always so advising. I, I don't need to advise all the time. Mm-hmm. I learn to sometimes listen. And I've also then done the work with myself to also know that sometimes I just need somebody to listen. And so I'll say, don't, you know, I don't really know. I, I don't want advice. I just want mm-hmm. you to listen. I don't even really know how I'm feeling. Can I talk through my feelings with you? You know? And also to know also that I can sometimes say, Tay, do you have capacity? Because sometimes the person doesn't even have capacity to hear you. Oh, Lizia Moja, go there. Go there. Because it's, it, that's part of being a good friend. And that's part of being self-aware. And these are the works I've done on myself. To know that, I, with, even with my husband, do you have capacity? I don't know if you want to hear this right now. Sometimes you're not, you're not even... Sometimes you feel annoying. I, you know what I also realized with even this friendship? I'm just not... I hate to use the word cut off. Distancing myself from some people. Mm-hmm. Man. I realized how much... I was always present for them. And it was overwhelming for me because I was also dealing with my stuff. But I never brought my stuff to them Mm -hmm. because out of care for them as Mm -hmm. well, let me not overburden you. But some people will always overburden you in the friendship. And it's also recognizing that sometimes this friendship is a body, not because you don't love them, but it's too much on me. And there's also the people that, you know, need to be your friends in a way that they don't judge you at all. If If I'm coming to you with a problem... Don't give me solutions. Just listen. Just listen. Just listen. Just listen. We also need to have friends that can just listen. That's it. There are different levels of friendships, you know. There are different um, intensities of friendship. You know, you have your different friends now. Everybody is not on the same Mm -hmm. level, you know. But ultimately, it has to be about respect. If there's no respect, it cannot work. If there's mutual respect, that's when we will both kind of understand and meet each other at our point of need. Mm. And that's how, that, that, that point of need, sometimes it's, dif- it's, it's different. What I need today might not, might not be what I need tomorrow. But if you can understand me, if there's open communication, open heart, mm. if I can talk to you without you blowing up, yes. do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can tell you this, this is how I'm feeling. I mean, I am terrible because I have a bad temper. Mm. But it's something that I'm working on, Seth, <laughs> you know? But if I can talk, but I'm not somebody that you cannot talk to. Yes, Maybe you need yes, to yes. wait till when my head cool low. Mm. But I'm somebody that you can talk to. Yeah. You know, and when there's respect, there's nothing we cannot work through. Mm. You know, but it's also just knowing there are boundaries. Your real friends will appreciate and help you uphold those boundaries. Yeah. Your real friends will it's, appreciate. It takes lots of hard work to get there, but I'm I'm glad that we're finally doing the work that would make us whole and you know healthy with our friendships. So let's talk about the book. Um, who do you think? First of all, why did you name it? Who do you think you are? Mm, well, it's a double entendre. Right. So basically, who do you think you are in your head? 
Timisa, who do you think you are? Hmm. And then also what people tell you. Do you know how many times I've heard, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? So the book is about who I think I am, you know, and what I've learned on that journey. Hmm. So it's who do you think you are? You as yourself as a question to self and also the questions the world asks you, who do you think you are? Hmm. I love it. So what can we expect from this book? Because, you know, this, I feel like it's, it's a guide to living authentically. It's a guide to navigating your life, crises, turmoils, turns, you know, some joy, some happiness. I, I, read, an, I read like a summary or, or the document that was sent, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about the book, but what would the book do for the people that will read it? Yeah, so, you know, like I said, I didn't have a mentor growing right. up. And, you know, the book is basically every chapter ends with what I've learned. It's not just a story. You know? mm. It's not a gossip, you know, a gossip uh, kini, yeah, gossip piece, piece, yeah. piece where you just hear everything that's happened to me and then to what end. Yeah. The idea is that I went through this. Mm. This is what I learned from it. This is what mm. I would do differently. It's a guide. You know, that word guide, very, very important. You know, it gets, because I talk about friendship and sisterhood and mentorship and infertility and abandonment issues, you know, so and much. entrepreneurship. I mm. talk about, you know, how I built my company. Mm. Because I talk about so much, there's something in there for everyone, mm. you know. Um, it was my son's godmother, Tade, Alalade, shout outs to Tade, that said, Liz, ah, you've tried, oh. Mm. <laughs> Liz, do you know that your childhood was so traumatic? Marriage, traumatic. <laughs> Having a child, traumatic. Work. Entrepreneurship, traumatic. Like, everything has been traumatic. There's not even a time where you can no, say it was peace. peace. I said, this is now, it's now, mm. as I enter this 40th season, as, an, I, as I get this book, it's how, now that I know that I'm entering a season of, there's no trauma. I don't actually have any trauma right now. Even as I'm trying to have another baby, it's not in a traumatic level. Right. I don't console peace, myself yeah. first. Mm. I've consoled myself with my mm. baby in mm. hand, you know? So I do want another baby. Yes, it's sad, but it's not traumatic, you know? And I'm also, I'm, I've equipped myself with things to help me through this season. I know what my triggers are and what to avoid. I know the things that trigger me, you know, and it's that self-work that's helped me. Mm. And so this book helps, you know, with, that doesn't mean my triggers are your trigger, but at Mm. least it even gives you some guide to identifying triggers. It will help you feel seen. It will help you feel seen. It will help Mm. you know that you're not alone. Yes. So that you don't sit down and think, "Ah, is it only me that has all these problems? No, people are going through shit. (laughs) People are going through things, you know? Um, And for me, it's, you know, four, seven times, get up eight. Because people will be sad for you. You know, I remember when my dad died. <laughs> Timisa, it was tough. A fight happened at the funeral grounds. My friends were there. It was embarrassing. A huge fight. I talk about it in the book. But it happened to me, and it's not going to be how I now choose carry to. on living, choose to show up, choose to be sad, choose mm. to be... These things happen to me, but it's okay. I can overcome. And so the book is really about overcoming, you know, and triumph. You just said something so profound. You know, you know when trauma happens to us, we can either decide to take it on and let it be our, you know, some people wear it as a blanket or the 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 cloth that they will use in their entire life. Like, you know, how people wear their trauma and say, you know, this was this happened to me, that's how I act like this. But the world does not really care. They don't care. So you have to do the work of healing and learning to me the world the world will commiserate with you they will be sad for, for a little a while even during my infertility there were so many people that were sad for me but then they will post their, them and their pictures 
You know, oh. I think it was after I was talking to you about deaths and how fickle life is mm-hmm. and how, you know, somebody was like that they were sad when they recently heard about someone that died, mm-hmm. but they went home, they were hungry and they ate. And that somebody called them after mm-hmm. they finished eating. And what they said was funny. They laughed. And that's how life is, you know? People will move on. People will move on. And sometimes, sometimes, when you wear the trauma for too long, people say, I'll let you. Do you understand? I'll let you. Do you understand? You know, and and then they'll even start helping you count, like you've said. But Liz, ah, they gave you 20,000 pounds. Can't you, 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 you use that one? Use that one, hold body now. <laughs> yes, it's not now. that bad kind of mm. thing. So, you know, it's also kind of knowing that um, it's you only got yourself at the end of the day. And that's why my happiness is not in anybody's hands. Do you know what? Even as the parent that I, the parent that I'm now, and my happiness is not with Elijah. I'm happy because of him, but he is not the reason for my existence or the reason for my happiness. Preaching good. In spite of him, I can be happy. In spite, in Jesus' name, you know, <laughs> nothing is going to ever happen to my son and yeah. my family. You know, are go- are blessed and they are beyond blessed, and yeah. the blessed will call us blessed. But the happiness is but the it, happiness yeah. is inside, you know. And so my husband, I have learned a long time ago. In fact, I think that annoys him a bit that he my happiness isn't with him. And I let him know I'm happy because regardless. I'm with you, but I'm happy regardless. You know, my pastor always says something that marriage doesn't make you happy. Marriage is two people who are already happy coming together. That's it. And it <laughs> amplifies everything about you, actually. So this book will teach us how to do the work of overcoming regardless. Like, it would reiterate the fact that, you know, no matter what has happened to you, you can fall seven times, but you need to stand up and do the work. And also, guess what? <laughs> that you will stand up on your own. Mm. Because no one can hold you up. Oh, Madam, preach. <laughs> you will stand up. I on didn't your know own. it was going to be that hard on my own. No. Ah, you will stand up. Your granny cannot help you stand up, Timisa. Not this time. Do you know one of the things I started doing? I've started shutting up. So before I would want like to tell everybody my problems, mm-hmm. so that at least just give me can something. Give me so- something. Guess what? With all the advice and things you're going to give me, it's not that I'm doing the hard work. Do you know what, Timisa? During my Infertility years, I really opened up and I really regret it because sometimes people actually use this info against you. They don't mean to, but they are privy to too much. Yes. yes. And actually, it affects how they see you. And the world is a very funny place where, you know, sometimes people will use, they don't, they don't mean to, but, the but they know these things. Use... The, the, the way they are now looking at you. She's not that strong anyway. Yes. You know, so you've cried one too many times. They figured you out. They figured you out. They know your weak points. They know the things that... You will start hearing it in jabs now, you know? So whether... You will start hearing it in jabs. Whether it's the insecurity about your marriage, you know, whether it's... And they have the upper hand. Actually, let let me even... Let me even say the truth. They have the upper hand. You are actually equipping them with things to... You gave them the ammunition. You gave them. You gave it to them. (laughs) You gave it to them. And so whilst I'm not saying that, you know, that means you don't have anybody you talk to. We all need an outlet. Don't carry your story and be giving it all around. Mm. I was guilty of that. I remember a few people, my friend today, my mentor, Bola Balogun, telling me, Liz, but it's too much now. Why are you telling everybody everything? Must everybody know anything that's going on with your husband? But why? Why? Because it's me too that I will use my mouth to tell them. I was now telling them, (laughs) telling Kiniko, and they're like, but why? Like, but you've already spoken to me about it. But I, I became megaphone. They tell everybody. Not everybody should be privy to your story. Not everybody should be privy to your story. You know? For me now, I'm able to tell my story because I've overcome my story. And there's nothing. You can never even use this story. I'm the one that gave it to you. So you can never even use this story against me. me, Mm. Also, like, this 
There's That's a time. issue with telling your story too early. There's a time. There's a time. Hmm. It's time and season, right? Hmm. There's a time. But at 40, I think that it's high time that, you know, you told your story. It's a good time to tell your story. You've also done a lot. You've overcome a lot. Um, you've also grown so that we can take valuable lessons from the leads at 40. The book would have been too early if you did it at 30 or 35. Definitely. But now that you know your mother, you're successful at business, like, family, everything. It's a good time to buy the book. Guys, you guys should get <laughs> definitely cop this book. Okay, so before I let you finally go, obviously we're going to talk about faith and God and what it means. Obviously, you know this podcast is by Jesus' body. So, you know, I just want to talk about your relationship with God and even those the things that you've gone through and the place that, you know, the role that God plays in all of that, you know, the relationship, how important it was for you to have a steady relationship with God because you even say that you have to do the work alone. It means that it's either you and God or you and people. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's something as beautiful as doing the work with yourself and with God in, mm-hmm. in it. I think that's why I am now. I, I actually saw the face of God. Like God told me I was going to have a baby. I knew. You know, towards the end, even before I had my son or conceived him, I knew I was going to be a mom. I, I now knew that it was settled, that that was God's plan for me. And that was because I, I sought, just sought his face. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was seeking him out. Um, I mentioned earlier that I literally met with Nathaniel Bassi. I met with, you know, other renowned pastors. And I went to this thing called Sorting Out. You know, Sorting Out changed my life, actually. Mm. Um, it's, it's funny because we were supposed to have a meeting with Betty Rabo, myself and Stephanie Busari. Um, and Stephanie said to me that God is saying that we shouldn't go and have this meeting. God is saying that we should go to something called sorting out. I was like, eh, we were supposed to meet on a Friday. She goes, instead, let's go to sorting out. We will sleep there. Me and you can share a room. I knew Stephanie, but I mean, not on a sharing room level. So I was thinking what she was like, yeah, it's this program. You know, they start at the beginning of the program to talk about why we're here. That's where it starts. Why are we here? What is the meaning of life? What is the existence of life? And that then they have different, it's a whole 48-hour intense prayer, you know, sessions. Learnings, prayers, Mm. and then they do the work with fighting with demons for you on a spiritual level. It's it's, it's deep, you know. (laughs) There's actually a session, you need to be sorted out. Because there's actually a session called Fighting the Spirit Man. For that one. They said that usually most people want to go. I know you, you'll be one of the ones that want to, you suddenly need the loo. <laughs> but they close the doors. They, they lock the doors. They're like, this spirit man, prayers are about to rain down. Heaven is going to open up and hear our prayers and you cannot leave this room and miss this session. So usually then they say, sometimes people now have calls. That's when the devil wants you to miss your, your blessings. You know, but I, I, jokes aside, I went to sorting out. Mm. I shared the room with Stephanie. Stephanie's prayer point was that she was divorced. And that she wanted to remarry. She's remarried. She's married next year. My prayer point was that I wanted to get pregnant. I got pregnant within a few months and I had a baby the ah, next year. Yeah. Me, my Lord. You need to go to sorting I go, go. <laughs> I need to be sorted out. You need out. to go to sorting out. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so before I let you go, I mean, we've had a robust conversation. One word for a young woman out there who's probably going through his career, marriage, or, you know, who just needs to figure out themselves, mm. you know, who needs to who needs to get to the place where Liz got to, mm. to know who they are. Who do you, for them to know who the, the fuck they think they are. Mm. Yeah. One word for that woman. Resilience. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
if there's anything that I need you to take away from this is that fortune, and when I say fortune, I don't mean money only because you can be fortunate and mm. you can have fortune in many things. And fortune is, for me, a metaphor for abundance. Abundance. Peace. Peace, peace of mind. If, if, it favors the brave. And being brave means that you are brave enough to look yourself in the mirror. Remember I talked about looking yourself in the mirror. I talked about doing soul searching. I talked about being open with yourself about your truths. Fortune favors the brave. If you are brave enough, because it's, it's not easy. You said it, it's not easy. That's the most difficult thing, to be honest with yourself, to look yourself in the mirror. You know, if you're honest enough with yourself, fortune is around the corner. Mm. You'll have everything that you want, the peace that you desire, the happiness that you want. You don't need all the money in the world to be happy. Yeah. We, talk, me, we, we talked about yes, this. You don't yes. need all the fame in the world at all to be happy. Mm. There are people that are famous, there are people that have all the money in the world mm -hmm. that they cannot sleep at night because they have migraines and terrible anxiety. <laughs> you know? So That's another fortune, episode. <laughs> fortune favors the brave. Mm -hmm. Fortune favors the brave. And so, be brave enough, be honest and open with yourself, you know, and everything that you want is on the other side of being brave. Amazing. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you for gracing us on TV Tape. Thank you for closing the season. Um, please help me close with that camera. Hey, guys. My name is Elizabeth Oshaw. I have just sipped some tea with Tay. It's so amazing to have closed the season. I'm the last guest of the season. So until next time, when Tay is back, make sure you like, subscribe, definitely get my book, Who Do You Think You Are? And see you in the next season. Thank you, Tay. Hey guys, thank you so much for staying with me throughout the season. This is the final episode for the season and I want to say thank you. Thank you for being the best community ever. I want to say thank you to my sponsors, Lipton, for staying with me since season one. You guys are amazing and I urge you to grab a cup of Lipton to watch the remaining episodes of the season. You can start from season one through to season two. There's so many episodes to catch up on. And of course, you're going to have the best time sipping tea with Tay. Kisses. See you next season. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.